when I was getting ready this morning, I just felt from the Lord that he wanted me to tell you that you're known by God. As much as we're spending this season telling the Lord how much we know him, we honor him, we celebrate and rejoice him. He's telling us that he's, that we're known by him, that we're loved by God, that we were fitted together in the womb by his hand. That's how intimately he knows us. So those times we feel alone, those times we feel like we've been separated or we've done things that have taken us out of the will of God, we haven't. Every molecule of your being, Phyllis, Phyllis reminded us that on Thursday night, every molecule of our being was fitted together by the hand and is held together by the love of God. Not only that, but he's fearfully and wonderfully made you to know him, to live this life, the assignments, the purposes that he placed in us. You've been chosen for this time. It's not a crazy time, it's a time when he, he awakened the crazy, the peculiar, the odd, those that would say, I'm radical for Jesus Christ to stand up in this dark hour and declare who he is. And he desires to live with us. He desires to dwell with us. He desires to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Please forgive me if you see me coming over here. Uh, I have some aids that help me along the way. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we become the temple of God. He breathes on us. He makes us his temple. Good morning, Pastor Anwar. It's a blessing to have you in the house. We honor you, Pastor Anwar. God bless you. We want to take this time to honor a man of God when they enter the house. When generals come in, this house, if they taught us nothing, is to teach us honor. If you would stand up, Pastor Anwar, and turn around, let the house welcome you. <laughs> Praise God. When we pray for India and Pakistan and Nicaragua, when we pray for Israel, when we pray for Kenya and Burundi, these are the type of men that we are praying for, men that are doing the work that we can't do because of where we are geographically, but he's doing that work. Thank you, Pastor Anwar. What a blessing to have you in the house. As we become the temple of God, we also become a light to the world. The light of the world deposit, deposited himself inside of us. Not only that, but as he fills us, he desires to constantly be filling us. I just had a revelation recently of what that really means. In Ephesians, it tells us to be continually filled. It talks about the hem of the garment filled the temple. And sometimes as we see that, we, we pray and, and we believe that the hem of garment often comes into even this sanctuary and moves about. And we can almost feel that presence come in and out. But the hem of the garment isn't the fullness of God. The hem of the garment is the prelude to God of what he's getting ready to and wants to do in our lives. He's not just coming in with the hem. He wants to come in fully to our lives. So when he's saying be continually filled, he wants to fulfill us with himself. He wants to wear us like a glove. You were knitted together in the father's womb so that he could wear us. He knows us that intimately. He wants to wear us. Pastor Frank's been talking about an increased cognitive capacity. It's, it's, uh, it's three letters, three words. If you say them real quick, you're going to get tongue-tied. Tongue-tied. <laughs> tongue-tied. Increased cognitive capacity. But basically what he's saying, what he's praying for us is that we begin to expand our revelation of who God is and one, what he wants to do in our lives. We have to increase our cognitive capacity in the spirit realm to receive everything that God wants to do. He's got mighty work for us to do. Right now, if you're Catholic, if you listen to the radio at all, you're going to know that they're their second Sunday of Advent. We talk about the prepare the way anointing in this church. Pastor Frank, for 40 years, his assignment has been to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. The second week of Advent, the second Sunday of Advent, they talk about John the Baptist. That's when he shows up on the scene, calling people into repentance, giving them the baptism of repentance. But then there's this merging of, of John the Baptist and Jesus the Christ, and we're baptized in his life and in his death and in his resurrection. 
But the second week of Advent is when we see John the Baptist come on the screen, on the scene. But also, this is a time we celebrate Hanukkah. I don't want to move around too much. We celebrate Hanukkah, symbolized by the menorah over here. What we need to realize is we're talking about a prepare the way anointing that we've moved into that's getting ready to pour out along the house. And I, I don't know what Pastor Frank was going to speak on today. I'm just going to speak on what the Lord gave me. I prepared something last night after I got his call, but I was woken up at four this morning with a little bit different message. So I hope you uh, take this message with me. But we're in Hanukkah. The, the Jewish people celebrate Hanukkah. But why do they celebrate Hanukkah? There's this time between Malachi and Matthew in the Bible, and we've heard that as the Old Testament to the New Testament, and there's a blank, blank page inside. And in that page, we hear from most of the scholars, they say God was quiet during that time. And if God was quiet during that time, his people weren't. His people were crying out. Hanukkah helps demonstrate that. As this time, Alexander the Great was, you know, we've all heard of him in school, was taking over all of the known world. That was his mission, that was his, his purpose in life, was to take over all of the known world. And he had accomplished that. As he accomplished that, he, he took over Judea and Jerusalem. Now he made friends with the Jews because as he conquered them, he didn't send them into dispersia. He didn't tear down their temples. So they were, they were okay with the fact that they were under Alexander the Great because he wasn't destroying everything that they had built. But as his purpose ended, as Alexander the Great's reign, it never came to an end in his life, but his purpose as he took over the whole world, he had nothing else to live for and he died. But before he died, he put generals in charge of different areas. And the cruelest general was put over uh, Syria. And that was the area that would also take over Judea. Now the general was cruel. He persecuted the Jews. He went after their faith. He tormented them. They had to do everything in the shadows. They had to do everything below daylight hours. He was, he was evil to them. He had sent some soldiers one time with pigs to the altars, and he, he was commanding the priest to sacrifice the pigs on the altars of God. Now, there's a point in our faith where we stand up, where we rise up, and we say, okay, we've compromised this far, we've, we've allowed you to come this far, but you're not going any farther. We, we kind of see that going through COVID, going through this, this time where they were trying to take the voice of the church away. We see that. We see that they're trying to quiet us. They're trying to put us down. We're feeling the persecution of the world. And we're starting to see the desecration of even the things that we hold most valuable, marriage, life, That's the world we're living in, but that's the world that the Lord has raised us up into to be a faith-filled believers in this season. So they bring the pigs. The armies of the general bring the pigs. They tell the priest, you're going to slay them on the altars of God. You're going to defile and desecrate the altar of God. Not only that, but then you're going to eat of its flesh. And as you're eating of the flesh, we want you to know that as you're doing that, you're, ash you're actually worshiping the Greek god Zeus. This is what he's telling people that believe in Yahweh, that they're going to do on their temples, that they're going to do to their flesh. And as one of the priests goes to do it, we hear about the, the Maccabees revolt. And a priest with a sword under his robe took out a sword and slayed the captain of the armies. And his sons picked up their swords and slayed the, the rest of the soldiers that was there. This began the Maccabees revolt. What a blessed time that faith-filled believers, you know, we, we don't call for violence that way. Now we're told that our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they're strong and mighty and spiritual. During this revolt, it didn't, that didn't happen, and they, were, they gained their independence that day. This began a long war. This began with the priests going out into the rural areas of Judea and gathering up support because they knew that as soon as word got back that they killed this captain and his, and his soldiers, that they were gonna get an onslaught of the 30,000 soldiers that were assigned to the region of Judea. So they went to the rural areas, they even went to Rome and got support from Rome and then they came back, but they gained their independence. As they gained their independence, they began to cleanse the temple. They began to sanctify the temple. 
they begin to put things back in order and put things right, get holy with their Lord. In doing so, we see the menorah. To light the temple, they only had one day's vial of oil. The reason it's called Hanukkah, it's also called the Festival of Lights. It's called the Festival of Miracles. Because of that one vial of oil, we think today that if we run out of oil, that we're just gonna run down to the store, we're gonna buy oil, we're gonna bring it back, we're gonna take care of what we need. That's not how this oil works. This oil is different. This oil is dedicated to God by God and the formula is written by God. And it takes eight days for this oil to be made. They had one day's worth of oil, but somehow that oil burnt for eight days. Hence, we have the Feast of Miracles. I find it interesting that we find that it takes eight days because eight means new beginnings. It takes eight days to make this oil. It burnt for eight days. New creation, new wine, new life, new wineskins. This is what's coming to us. I want to read Pastor Frank's message that he sent out this week. Oh, yeah. Bring on the PTW oil. Prepare the way oil. Open heavens, open windows in heavens are trickling. Showers of latter-day prepare the way anointing. Fountains from the deep are opening with living water. Rivers of prepare the way anointing. Bring on the prepare the way oil. You know, this isn't motor oil. It's not WD-40. It's, it's not an oil that's common in any way. It's not coconut oil. It's not vegetable oil. It's none of those things. This is prepare the way oil, prepare the way anointing, specifically for this time that's being poured out. This is the oil that's found in the place called Next. If you've been around a while, you know Pastor Frank told us in 2019 that we were going to be going to the place called Next, and then came COVID. This is the oil that's found as we cross over the threshold. This is the oil that's found as we go to the other side of the mountain and begin to minister from there. This is oil that's for specific people. It's for people with a timeless mindset. We're not trapped in today. We're not trapped now. You know, the things that you do and the mistakes that you make now don't define you. Where you're at right now is not who you are. Who you are is where you are seated with Christ if we're, if we're in relationship with Christ. This oil is for those that have the timeless mindset. This oil is for those that are warriors, worshipers, and watchmen. This oil is for those that are baptized with Christ in his death and resurrection. And this oil is for those that bear the fruit of repentance. This oil, we're gonna go through in Exodus 30, if we can pull that up, 22 through 33. The Lord said to Moses, take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet-smelling cinnamon, soaked in water, excuse me, cinnamon, and has, and half as much, that is 250, and 250 of aromic, aromatic cane. Those are the ingredients that God gave Moses. So I did some research on myrrh. Myrrh is a plant that grows on a rocky ledge. The way they extract myrrh is they go up to this tree and they peel the bark off the tree. And as the tree tries to heal itself, that liquid that pours through the tissues of the tree is captured. Think about the, symbol and the, the symbolism there with Jesus Christ being torn, his flesh being torn, his, his bark being ripped off so that that blood would pour and bring healing to us. Cinnamon, 
to get cinnamon, they would cut off branches of trees. They would soak them in water. Think about being baptized in water. They would soak them in water for days. And then as the bark gently came off of that tree, off the limbs, they would use that and gain the cinnamon oil. The aromatic cane. This wasn't sugar cane. This is a grass that's grown that gives off this sweet sense when it's bruised. So it's cut and beaten. And the bruising of this releases the oil inside of it. This is the anointing oil that's used that Moses has given instructions to make. We'll go to verse 25. And you shall make of these a sacred anointing oil blended as by the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony. We'll stop there just for a second. When we accepted Jesus Christ, we become the tent of meeting. We are the, the tabernacle of God. We are the temple of God. That's who we are. We're anointed by Christ. That's the anointing that's been placed on us. Here the Lord's telling Moses to take this oil and put it over the utensils that are in the temple. From the inside out, from the inside out, we have the anointing of God within us. You are the Ark of the Testimony. You know, we had the Ark of the Covenant up here for a while, and our brother Brandon would tell you what was in it. It was the rod of Aaron. The rod of Aaron is what gave Moses and Aaron the authority. We've been given that authority. We've been given authority over this world, over the enemy. Also in it was manna. Manna is the bread of life. We've been given the bread of life. We have the bread of life inside of us because we have revelation. We have rhema from God. He breathes revelation in us. Also in there, was that were the tablets written on us being the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Testimony is the Word of God written on our hearts. We carry that. That's who we are. Verse 27, and the table and all its utensils and the lampstand and all its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burning the burnt offering with all of its utensils and the basins and its stand. And the table and all its utensils. God said that he's going to prepare a table for us in the midst of our enemies. The table's been set for us. Our, our enemies are many. Maybe our enemies are few. Maybe our enemies are powers and principalities that we can't see, but our, our enemies are coming after us. But in the midst of our battle, in the midst of our conflict, in the midst of our struggling, there's a table set if we'll sit down and eat with him that's been anointed. The offering, the altars. We're supposed to place the altars. And on those altars, we become the burnt offering, the burnt sacrifice laying down our lives for him. Verse 29, you shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them will become holy. Be careful what you touch with this new anointing. It's not for everybody. You know, we're coming into a new dispensation. It's, it's not a different baptism. Pastor Frank's been clear on that. It's, it's a new baptism. It doesn't supersede the baptism of salvation, the baptism of repentance, but it's something new that's coming along us, uh, coming inside of us, flowing through us and on us for the seasons that we're going into. But with that, we have to be careful of the people we come in contact with. Are they, are they seeking what we're seeking? Are we desiring to lead them places where they can come into this relationship with Jesus Christ? Be careful what you touch. Remember, this isn't common oil. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them 
that they may serve me as priests with this oil as we go out and communicate with people in our communities, at our workplace, in the marketplace. As we bring them into relationship with Jesus Christ, they become kings and priests. We're going to be consecrating them in the word of God and what he's put on the inside of us through this anointing that's being poured out. Verse 31, and you shall say to the people of Israel, this shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on the body of an ordinary person, and you shall make no other like it in comparison, in composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Verse 33, whoever compounds any like it or whoever puts any of it on an outsider shall be cut off from his people. It's a warning to us. What's coming isn't common. What's coming isn't common. The fact that you're here isn't common. This is a, this is a peculiar house. We're, we're told it all the time, but it's true. The fact that you're here means that you're uncommon. The fact that you're here means you're unique and special and called for such a time as this. You know, what, the, what God's getting ready to do in this community is incredible. What he's getting ready to do in Mahoning Valley is awesome. And we're going to be a part of that with uncommon oil. This oil, you can't, you can't get it here. You can't get it here. You can't steal it. You can't fake it. You can't buy it with cash. You can't order it with works. You can't make it. He told them, don't even try to make this oil. Don't even try to pretend. Don't even go put something on and act like you got something that you don't. Depend on me. Allow that anointing to come from me and walk in that anointing. We need it, but do we want it? We need it, but do we want it? We need it, but do we want it? Look at the ingredients again. Where's the cinnamon come from? Where's the myrrh come from? Where's the cane come from? I said you can't buy it, but I didn't say it didn't cost something. Wednesday at breakout service, Pastor Cheryl told us about bringing our gift, whatever gift that is, bringing that gift and presenting it before the Lord. It costs something. It cost God, his son. It cost Jesus his life. It cost the treasure of heaven to be poured out for us to have access to this anointing. So why we can't buy it, it does have a, a cost. It'll cost you something. It might cost you a little bit of suffering. What's that mean? It means that the conveniences of daily life might be interrupted for a while. I was thinking last night as my fire was dying and I wasn't paying attention to it, sometimes it's hard to get it started again once it's, once it's been out for a while. It's always easier to keep feeding the fire than to keep restarting the fire. But I was thinking how nice would it be if that one log burnt the quantity of eight logs, eight days, one day's worth of fire lasted eight days but I might have to suffer a little bit. I might have to give up some conveniences. I'm gonna to have to sacrifice my time, my energy, my resources. Maybe you're gonna to have to sacrifice some opportunities that could have went another way, some time. It might cost me surrendering or submitting. You know there's a difference between surrendering and submitting? You know, being military-minded, when we surrender, we just give up. We throw down our weapons, we raise a flag, wave it, and we walk into the enemy's hands. That's surrender. Let me, let me restate that. That's not what we do. That's what we define surrender for other armies. That's what they do to us. They surrender to us. We don't surrender to them. But that's what surrender is. It's giving up. But submission's different. When we submit, we're recognizing that there's a greater power than us. 
There's a greater power than our ability to achieve the things we want to in our own strength. We're submitting to that. We're recognizing who God is. That's who we're submitting to. There's a difference. The fruits of the spirit, love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, those things, that's a surrender, not a surrender. That's a submission. You know, it costs something to be gentle to another person. It costs something to be kind. It costs something to be faithful, to be loving. It costs something to go after peace, even when peace seems impossible. The Bible says, as far as it concerns you, be at peace with others. That's a work, that's a submitting. That's the things that we do. And don't take that for granted. When we talk about those things, when, when you're finding compassion and charity in your heart for others, know that you're hearing God, that you're feeling the heart of God, you're feeling the heartbeat of God. When you're taking time to enter into the lives of others, you're actually living the life that God placed inside of you, not for yourself. What, what does it benefit a man? What I've come to realize is this oil comes on the other side of our flesh. So as I try to go through what Pastor Frank's been teaching about, we need to go to the other side of the mountain. Instead of facing the mountain, we need to go to the other side of the mountain and defeat the enemy from that side. We got to get to the other side of our flesh and defeat the enemy from that side, from the spirit. We have to work through this flesh and this soul and get to the get to the heart of the Father and work from there. Hmm. This oil is on the other side of the flesh. This oil is not for idolaters. You know, what is idolatry? What is an idol? It's anything that exalts itself higher than God. Anything that tries to be equal with God. Anything that takes the place of God. It's also anything that stands between you and God and that we allow to stand between us and God. Again, why Pastor Frank's telling us to go to the other side of the mountain. You know, there's a song that says, don't tell the mountain how big it is, tell the mountain how big your God is. But Pastor Frank's, we're going to a different place. We're now going to the other side of the mountain and we're telling the mountain that it don't matter. We're telling this flesh that it doesn't matter. This flesh becomes a form of idolatry to us if we're not careful. November of 2020, I lost about 60% of the sight in my right eye. October 3rd of this year, I lost about 90% of the sight in my left eye. I can't see your faces. I'm not supposed to be driving, but they gave me a license for eight years <laughs> when I got it last time. So I'll drive as long as I can safely. It's a frustrating time. It's something that's risen up in my life that if I focus on it, if I make it. If I allow it to stand between me and God. I failed, I won't fail, not because of me, but because I know who God is. I know what his word says. I know that he said, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. I'm sorry, this isn't a part of the message, but I have to share it. We become an idol to ourselves. We allow the problems of the world get in between us and God. If something comes up in our finances, oh my God, I just, I just can't get past that. I can't see past that. We got to begin to see past it. If you have weakness or sickness in your body, we can't focus on that. I'm still going to worship God. You're still going to worship God because it's not about the mountain. It's about the one who can move the mountain. It's not about the obstacle. It's about the one who carries the breakthrough anointing. That's who we worship. That's who we serve. We can't allow ourselves, this flesh, the things we see, the things we hear, the things we taste and smell and touch control us. If we do, we become idolaters. The things that we desire and want, we become idolaters. And this anointing that's coming, 
it's not going to get poured out on those that have idols, even if the idols ourselves. We talk about the altar and, and the incense that would come next if we were going in that direction. But we're the fragrance. Friday night in worship, somebody smelled that offering come through the service. They smelled the roasting of the flesh. They smelled the wine. They smelled the linen. That's who we are. We become that living sacrifice. Don't let anything stand between you and God, even if it's us. We often think of repentance as something that's necessary for new believers. We think of repentance as something that's necessary for evildoers. But we miss the point if we miss the mirror. John the Baptist came with a call of repentance. We have to live a lifestyle of repentance if we're gonna carry this anointing that God wants to put on us. Every day we have to repent, every thought, every action. This, we're not consumed by the mistakes we make. We're not consumed there, we're not living there. We know we get programmed to have certain thoughts, certain defaults in the way we think, act, in the world but that's not who we are that's what we did that's not who we are do you understand the difference what we did isn't who we are what we do isn't necessarily who we are we've been programmed to sin we've been given this life that has this lean towards sin because of adam and eve so we're always kind of candid this way but as we receive jesus christ we we have an alignment that comes that's who we are now that's who we are not what we did, it's who we are. But we can't miss the mirror. We got to live a lifestyle of repentance. There's a difference between being programmed for sin, which is what we are, and practicing sin. When we practice sin, we actively engage and look for ways to sin. That's not who we are, that's not what we do. If you're sitting here today, that's not your heart's desire. Your heart's desire is not to get caught up in those things that trap us. Your heart's desire is to be set free, to be released from those things, to redo that programming so that we have a mind that's stayed on Christ, the things that are holy and pure and true and noble. That's that renewing of the mind. Give us the mind of Christ. Renew our minds daily. That's the process of repentance. When we know we, when we recognize that we've made a mistake, we repent right away. Don't live in it. Don't grow stanky and stagnant in it. Get out of it. Repentance isn't just turning around. A lot of people would tell you repentance means to turn around. That's part of it. A lot of people will tell you that repentance means to change your mind towards something. That's a part of it, but it's not all of it. Repentance is positioning the word above any problem, any situation, any circumstance that you're facing in your life. It's realizing where you are and whose you are and putting that first. Cindy shared with us that repentance was like the penthouse that's the place we're supposed to have with the Lord. We're supposed to be elevated at that place. Anything that takes us lower or keeps us down where our flesh touches and our flesh meets the soil is less than what God wanted for us. So we have to live this life that we're seeking repentance, seeking that higher place where we're focusing on what God's promises are. And that's over every area of your life. I'm not telling you that you can't have, you're not going to have communication with your body. I'm not going to say that at all. We're not immune to this vessel that God's given us, this, this body that God's given us to feel things. We have a soul. Our soul is our mind, will, and our emotions. They drive us. 
They, they scream in us at times because we have desires, we have wants, we have passions. I'm not telling you to ignore that. I'm telling you to recognize what that is, where it's coming from, but more importantly, where it's leading us if we're not careful. What is the outcome of that calling of the flesh? I know I need repentance often. I know that Christ came to give me life and life more abundant, but I also know that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. When this flesh rises up, when it's calling us into things that we know aren't right, sometimes we just end up there aimlessly because we weren't being diligent and purposeful. Pastor Frank right now is being diligent to the work, to the assignment that's been given him. He's being diligent. Though he wants to be here, though he loves you, he loves us, and he would love to be here today, he has an assignment. He's being diligent to that. He's being purposeful. We have to start thinking purposefully, diligently, not just aimlessly, not just being led around by the flesh, not just led around. As you can see, we're, hopefully the church in January, we always do a corporate fast. If, if I turn sideways, you'll see that uh, it's been a little bit since I fasted. But if I allow this flesh to carry me, it'll keep eating, it'll keep consuming, it's never satisfied. And that's how we are if we're not careful, if we're not watching, if we're not diligent, never satisfied. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Christ came to give me life and life more abundantly. Sometimes I get caught up in myself and I begin to think that if God would just listen to me, things would go a lot smoother. You know, maybe my thoughts are higher than his thoughts, you know, but we get that mindset, don't we? Like, God, where are you? If you just take care of this, things would be better. But do we know that? I don't know that. I think that. I feel that. I want that. But I don't know that. What I know is that he always and only wants what's best for me all the time because that's who he is. I definitely know my, my ways are not deeper than his ways. I know he's, he's irrigating paths to people in my life. He irrigated a way to me to speak the word of life over to me, to, to, to give the living waters and let them pour into my body. It wasn't, it wasn't done by man. It wasn't a plot of man or a plan of man. It was the way God moved through people in my life to reach me, the unreachable. God's put such great men in my life, and I thank him for it. I don't always understand it. I don't ever think that I deserve it. We had a banquet last night and had a suit jacket on. And there was a memorial card inside my pocket that I'd forgotten about. It was a man that God put in my life. He was in his 80s, he became a big brother to me. I don't know why I'm crying. I should be celebrating, he's with God now. He's, he's working on behalf of me. He's, he's tapping on the doors of heaven and say, don't forget Ralph, but his name was Carl Robb. But I pulled out that card and I thank God for Carl Robb. Another man recently walked into my life that's taken kind of that same place and I thank God for that. But that's God irrigating. That's God reaching into our ways. If, if it was by my way, it was, if it was through the thoughts in my mind that it has to happen this way, I wouldn't have those men in my life. I would have chose somebody else, somebody that would have took me down a different path. I would have hung out with the kids from high school that my friends were drinking, that were, were doing things that some of them aren't, aren't around right now, and I'm only, I'm not even 50 yet. But God did that work because it's, he has a plan for us. This new anointings for those that are willing to live in the spirit and not in the flesh. 
that are willing to surrender yourselves, the desires, wants, and passions for the plans and purposes God has for us. I, I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell you that all your problems will be solved tomorrow if you receive Jesus Christ today. If you've known him for a while, I can't promise you that. What I can promise you is that he's a good father. I can promise you that he's preparing us for the things that he has prepared for us. A good father doesn't prepare bad things for his children. That's not what a good father does. He's a good father. He has a plan and a purpose. He has an assignment on your life. You know, this anointing that's coming, this anointing that's coming isn't about you, but it's for you. You understand what I'm saying? It's not about you. It's not about us being elevated. It's not about us getting to this place where we get glory, we, where we get the, the affirmations of people, but it's about us that he's gonna pour into us so that he can use us to reach other people, so that he can use us to help other people, so that he can use us to save other people. This is an anointing that he's pouring out in us. There's an assignment on your life. That's what the devil is attacking. Let's be honest about what he's attacking. If he's coming after your family, if he's coming after your, your health, if he's coming after your finances, if he's coming after your faith, he knows because there's an assignment on your life. He knows that there's a, a group of people that'll be untouched and untold by you if he can get you off track, if he can keep you focused by putting yourself between you, your spirit being, and God. If he can make an idol out of you, if he can make an idol out of you, that's not gonna happen. When God gives gifts, they're not imperfect gifts. They're perfect. It's us that are perfecting them as we go along. Sometimes we're waiting for something that we already have. We're waiting on something that we already have. Friday night, in worship, I got a word and it said, I'm not gonna push you out of the way to get to you. I'm not gonna push you out of the way to get to you. He's gentle. He's given us free will. But these are decisions that we have to make. It's the one work that we have to do is to surrender ourselves to him, to submit ourselves to him. I'm not gonna push you out of the way to get to you. Maybe that's what he's saying to you right now. I'm not gonna push you out of the way to get to you. But if, if you get out of the way, I'm coming. If you get out of the way and let me do the work, I'll do the work. If you get out of the way and trust me, you'll be amazed what happens. If you allow me the time to begin to operate in your life, your life will be changed forever. Not only your life, but generations. Remember, he said this oil, was for generations not just for right now it's for generations it's for your children it's for your grandchildren it, i believe sonny that it can work the other way and it might even touch your parents and grandparents if that's the situation you're in he said it's for generations we always think generations are going down in age but generations go up in age as well i believe it can touch people i believe he can use me to reach people that are beyond me, that want nothing to do with me. I believe he'll give me access to them because of the anointing that he's putting in us. That's why we got to get to the other side of the mountain. The other side of the mountain. So for three years, we've been in these teachings steady, the place called Next. Be prepared to go to the place called Next. August, September timeframe, we're preparing to cross the threshold. October 7th happens in Israel, and we see that we've crossed over the threshold. We've been told we need to have this timeless mindset that we're not trapped in time. You're not trapped in time. You're not trapped in time. We have a spirit that's eternal. 
the devil may be everlasting, but he's not eternal. When God brought us into himself, he made us eternal. We're eternal. Past, present, and future lives within, within us. So that today isn't the place that we have to live. He said, get to the other side of the mountain. I've been wrestling with that because what I'm trying to do, well, I'm not going to quit saying trying. What I'm doing is understanding that God's always with me, that his presence is always near me. And as I spend time with him, I got a prayer chair, Sonny, that I've been sitting in. And I know Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. So he's here. And I know that I'm seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. So I picture myself over here somewhere. And in my timelessness, in my timeless spirit, I just take this posture of looking towards the face of God. Not because I think that I can see the face of God, but in my spirit. I know my spirit is perfect. You know your spirit's perfect. You know you're, you're perfect in your spirit once you receive Jesus Christ. You're perfect. The things, the things that capture us in the flesh in the day to day, that, that's your flesh, that's your soul, that's your soul desiring things. But that's not your spirit. Our spirit is perfect in God. So we can be seated with Christ because we're perfect in him, made in his likeness and image seated in heavenly places. That's the timelessness that we're talking about. Timelessness, I don't have eye problems. I can see perfectly. So because I can see it in the spirit realm, I know that everything that's ever manifested to the physical realm first was seen in the spirit realm. That's faith. That's faith. Faith is that timeless mindset. It's going to that place and taking what belongs to you and bringing it back here not paying attention to the mountain. Get to the other side of the mountain and push it through when you're coming back to you. Sacrifice this flesh, go into the spirit, come back and bring that power to the flesh and the soul, your mind, will, and your emotions. Timelessness. I don't know if everybody in here has a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to know that you can. In the chapel this morning, we were praying and I don't necessarily, I don't hear an audible voice of God, but I feel an unction in my spirit. And I wanna be faithful to that more than ever. You know, because these gifts God give us, if we don't appreciate them, Doug, in the small portion that we recognize them, how can he trust us with greater measures? So these things that you're feeling, these unctions in the spirit, you know they're not coming from the physical part of you. They're not coming from, from your mind. But when you feel that unction of God, we have to begin to work in that. We, we have to begin to flex that muscle and practice that muscle to use that so that it can grow in us even if it's uncomfortable. But this morning in the chapel, as we were getting towards the end of our prayer, I felt like the Spirit said, I'm unlocking things today. I'm releasing things today. I don't know what you need. I don't know what things still have a hold of you. I don't know what chains have, have attached themselves to you, that hold you down, that call you back, that keep you from moving forward. But there's an opportunity today to be unlocked from those things, to be released from those things. Maybe other people, you need some things released into your lives that you've been praying and believing for. Maybe you need some restoration to come back into your family. Maybe you need some healing in your body or somebody in your family needs healing. I believe God wants to release that today. We have animals on our farm and the chickens, if you get out there before the sun comes up, they're locked in. They don't see well in the dark. As a matter of fact, I don't think they see it all. You can sneak up, you can grab them, they won't move, they won't make a sound. But when the sun comes up, they won't let out. And when you let them out, they come out. They come a running because they know that outside of that coop, outside of that chicken tractor is food. 
is, is fresh vegetation or insects and animals or the blessing that nature provides for us. I believe that's what's being released over our lives even today. Those things that you're desiring, God wants to give them to us. But we got to get this timeless mindset that we're going to capture that, that we're going to get it. But also, if you're struggling with things, we got to get ourselves out of the way. Bitterness. If you have bitterness towards somebody, we got to let that go. Don't carry an offense. You know, the Bible says that a cause without offense can't land. Basically, what's that saying is, or a curse, I'm sorry, a curse without a cause can't land. God said, I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you to the enemies of Israel, to the people that would be in relationship with Israel. We see what's going on in the news, but God said, I'll bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. But the Bible says that a curse without cause can't land. If we have offenses against anybody, we gotta let those go. We can't have bitterness. We can't have anger, we can't have resentment. Those cause frustration in our lives. We got to let those things go. We can't become, allow that to be an idol where a curse lands. But it also talks about gossip. And it says gossip's like the poison of an adder. The way we talk about one another, the way we communicate with people at work, the way we communicate with family about others. Let's be careful. Let's not let these things be something that puts our flesh between us and God. We have to let those things go. I'm stalling for a reason because I'm not sure how to go forward, except that I know that God wants to unlock some things off some people and release some things off some people. I don't know if everybody in here has a relationship with Jesus yet, but I'm gonna take this moment to make sure that if you don't and you want to, that you get to. I'm going to ask everybody with your head bowed and your eyes closed to repeat this prayer. And if it's your first time, you're saying it with a group of people that once said it for their first time and have said it over and over and over again as just a daily confession. So if everybody would repeat after me, Father God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that because of him, I can be in relationship with you. I thank you that my sins are forgiven. My future is certain. I thank you, God, that you see me as spotless. And because of that, I can come boldly to the throne through the blood of Jesus. Today, I make Jesus Christ Lord of my life and the Lord of the rest of my life. We thank you, Lord.